I'm sorry to have missed the show the last couple days. It's been a harrowing trip to get home, but I'm home. A little, little shaggy, a little untrimmed, a little undergroomed. We'll take care of that this weekend. Uh, thank you all for your patience and support over the last week and a half. Uh, I've been helping family with some uh, medical issues, not quite emergency, just situation type stuff. And uh, thank you to, to Joey and Ed and Jim for stepping up and everybody else and Ant for, for covering while I was I had to be out the last couple of days. But now it's Friday. Time to take your vitamins. Hi. Your weekly dose of good news. We got some fun headlines today. We got Joey Lee in studio. G.I. Mary Jane. Let's start. Let's start with taking the COVID vitamins, shall we? My voice is a little rough from... Uh, a long travel day yesterday, if nothing else. Man. Uh, by the way, I had a fun interview this morning. It was the other thing I was thinking about. I was like, oh, yeah, I had to get up and clear my throat. Uh, ben Swan is working with the Russians again. Uh, he got a gig with RT. And he interviewed me this morning for a panel on the, the withdrawal of troops from Iraq. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you, and I had to look this up. I was like, wait, you're, you're interviewing me. You know, I was there 17 fucking years ago. This is like, yeah, fuck, man. I feel like an old man now. Shit. Back, back in my day, back in the Iraq. Oh, God. No, Ed gets to be the old guy at the VFW. Yes. On the Adam versus the man crew. I can still pretend to be young. But I don't know how much longer with, with this like baldness showing and the beard getting long. I really am starting to look like Thoros from Game of Thrones, though. I'm gonna have like the top knot piled up, and, like the ball, like the the receding hairline going back. Anyway, enough bad jokes about my hair. The interview this morning was awesome, so uh, I look forward to sharing that. I got the link uh, of, of the Ben Swan interview from this morning, so I'm excited to step back and watch it to see, like, is uh, this was interesting? RT had me connect with Zoom. And they had a special thing that ported audio to me and my video and audio to their control board. Oh, wow. I remember how this used to happen. Like when I was doing RT, it was the same thing with Skype calls. So I call in and there's no visual. And that's actually better for doing yeah. an interview. I mean, in some ways, you want to be able to see the guy you're talking to. But for television, it's, I mean, if you want to do that, like, high production value version of television <laughs> where everybody's like got makeup on and they're Your staring perfectly ahead at the camera. Incredible. Look at that. Look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, no, if you want that high production value uh, version of TV, don't watch Adam versus the man. Uh, but no, if you, if, if you're trying to get that, this is why uh, they'll put you like in, like when you're doing cable TV interviews, they push you in like a little dark room and you got an earpiece in and you stare into the camera. Now the cool ones will use the mirror technology projection uh, glass that you would use for a teleprompter right? to project the person you're talking to. That's fucking amazing. That's uh, some Star Wars shit. But that's, and that's better. Th that That's the best version. But then... It's worse if you, I think sometimes if you have the person off to the side, unless they want to visually interact with you, it looks like that more professional conversation. 
you know, and, and for, in this case, it was me staring straight into the camera. I think I must, I must, the way it felt from my end, I must have looked really professional on the other <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with that, uh, let's get Jim up on on screen here. Anyway, oh, so if you want to follow me, I guess Twitter. Where the fuck am I? I'm on the nothing on the internet is real, and I am on the internet. So where am I? I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I've been Twitter. I've been pretty well engaged with. I've been really enjoying Twitter, yeah, I but know. I wish I wish there was an alternative. You know, and it's Twitter is Twitter. Like it is that mainstream. Like it is where you go to engage in that mainstream conversation. Facebook, fuck that. No, Facebook is where you go to get censored and polluted with emotional manipulative bullshit. Like so, no, I I, I wouldn't say the same. Like Twitter, and and the censorship on Twitter is not not crazy. clean, but it's they're they're it's not the same as Facebook. It 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 genuinely is like pretty close to an open conversation you know so i i've been enjoying twitter um so I'll, i post stuff there any links anything like it's sort of like everything my random my random musings yes uh all there on twitter rock landstone the internet is trash it's not it's the high line the internet will save us from ourselves it can it can they can't hide anything I'm looking at you Use the technology. Use it for good. Learn your cycle. It's up, uh, it's, it's, it's up to us. No, the internet effect is it's it's part of my book. The internet is trash. No, uh, it's important to see the internet. In, uh, let me see. fun. Adam versus the man. His sidebar. This is what I this is what I love about Adam versus the man. Right? Is that we get by by doing two hours a day, five days a week. First of all, we can take Friday all day for fun. Good news. Uh, but I, I, if, if I, you know, if I was overselling myself by a lot, you know, I, I, I like John Oliver's style of journalism I dig it. and he does 20 minutes once a week. So my two hour show is an episode of last week tonight with John Oliver six times. We do six. Oh, no, but it's not that good, but it's, it's that same style. You know, I, I'd like to think of analysis packed out or unpacked. And so he's like, the internet is trash. I want to share a little bit of an insight from my experience with the internet, because I've been around long enough, I've, I've, I'm older than the internet, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Mm, well, depends on where you count what, the start. I was born in yeah. '82, so when the do we have DARPA? But, but but like in terms of widespread adoption, I was there when they first started sending out AOL CDs. Remember the CDs so everywhere? CDs. You get a CD in the mail, and it connects you to the internet. Yes. Yeah. AOL.com. American online. I remember sitting in the chat really? rooms for hours, hours. I was a hacker back then. I would do um, phishing scams. Oh, fuck. And and get free account access to other people's accounts. Because you'd have to pay. Remember back then it was it was dial-up subscription, right? Yeah. The first widespread practical internet in the United States was dial-up, and it was it was kind of expensive subscription. Super expensive. To AOL, you pay like what thirty dollars a month or something. No, I think it was like a hundred bucks a month. It was expensive. No, well yeah. you could. For premium stuff, you could, and that's why we did phishing scams because we didn't want to pay that. So we would, we would go into the chat rooms and like skim everybody's names and then put them into this phishing software. That we don't download it from some, or it was like getting passed around. It was weird. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, there's going to be a few more of those on this show. Uh, so when you say the internet is trash, it's like the internet is still like. 
for all the bad things, Stevenson W, the internet is what you make it. If it's trash, you see different things. I'm not saying there's not trash. So yeah, you're 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 right, but you're both you're both right and you're both wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Let, let yeah yeah. Let, let me explain. Let me explain. Good, good, good. Uh, so the internet has always been an incredible tool for mass connection that wasn't possible before. Just wasn't like you think about pre-internet, pre-email, just the hyper connectivity that that is completely taken for granted at this point we just expect you're gonna be able to text email send a picture to anybody on earth anytime you feel like it that the, the video call i just i didn't interview with the fucking russians you know like just this, this is <laughs> but yeah that's just one stupid example right uh the internet effect i think has had an incredible positive impact that we don't even see yet in terms of you know government being held accountable I mean, talk about like the the decline in violence that I talk about, right? Steven Pinkerton's curve of the decline in violence. If that's driven by connecting uh, connection and, and communications technology, that makes it harder for government to lie us into war. Well, then the massive increase in connectedness with the internet might be the main reason why the biggest wars they've gotten away with in the age of the internet is the global war on terror, right? Which is still a huge step down in 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 the body count the ferocity, the violence of force-on-force wars, right? Like, you can't get away, this is what I've said in speeches, in the age of the internet, you cannot get away with the lies necessary to get millions of gullible young men to meet in the middle of a field where none of them live and kill each other because they're wearing different colors. Yeah. You can't. You fucking can't. You can get away with the global war on terror. You can get away with shadow wars in Yemen. You can get away with ISIS and and false flags and a lot of bullshit. But that large-scale force-on-force, all those people over there, because they're on the other side of that imaginary line on the map, want you dead. No. 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 Can't do it. It's fucking amazing. Uh, It's good news. Good news. Okay? Good news, people. Really amazing. So, with hyper-connectedness, now you can look at how that has been perverted because i i'd like to think there was a golden era of the internet of like into like uh, maybe the, the first i want to call it the first golden era there there I, if you in, in my broad stroke history of the internet there will be like the 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 infancy the first golden age then the censored age then the second golden age where blockchain sets us free from centralized control with this technology. Does that make sense? So we say the internet is trash. If you restrict yourself to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> but if you branch out from that, if you use it properly, and I, I think Telegram is a huge end run around the social control already pre-blockchain. Telegram messaging app where you can have channels. We have a channel, t.me. <laughs> Slash Adam versus the man. We have comments you want to share that are I really- have on uh, it, it's re- so we're on Odyssey now, but yes. hey, we are live streaming on Odyssey. Little glitchy though, because we can't see your live comments and pop them up on screen. Oh, no. on Odyssey. So we're but reading comments sort of manually. Comments. And uh, Tesla's pigeon is watching and he says that Germans are about to have the bloodiest revolution because the German government is going after Pornhub right now. Wait, I'm, I'm just in the background. 
Hold on. All right. Well, hey, let's let's save that. Let's save that for Monday. That's a good story. So if you want to share stories like that with us, join us in the producers club. I'm doing I'm doing Jim's job for him. Right. Uh, But yeah, the producers club on Patreon, ten dollars a month. Get it. And this is this is where I gather. I mean, you can tag me on Twitter. I'll probably see it anyway. Like I'm not that over. I, I I'm in the habit of looking at all of my at mentions for Twitter. For Twitter, yeah. Occasionally, Hot I will, uh, I'll miss a day or two or a few hours and, and and get over. Like I'll have some tweet that goes, you know, modestly viral, and I won't be able to keep up with all the replies. That's definitely But but if you tag me and stuff, you want me to see it. But really, join the producers club. So I don't know. Let's let's get Jim up on screen here before producer notes. I mean that producer note. That's awesome. We're an odyssey. And we're reading comments. So just, just so everybody understands that. I heard this increases production value. <laughs> so, thanks, Jim. Uh, just, yeah, everybody show your eyeballs. Uh, I'm really excited about Odyssey for a lot of reasons. Um, it's not... It, is, is it... So I want to point out something. As long as we're talking about like the history of the internet. Um, from what I understand of Odyssey, and I could be wrong, uh, it is semi-centralized but blockchain-based, right? So it might not be the next golden era final thing because I think that's going to be some truly decentralized social media protocol that's like next-level shit. I think Odyssey is a bridge from the censored era to the second golden era of the internet. We hope, we're hoping to get one of the Odyssey creators on Adam versus the man in an upcoming episode. Yeah. Too. And he's going to tell me that it's going to get us all the way. He's- and it might, it might have a role in that, but I, I really think there's, there's the second golden age of the internet or golden era. I don't know. Free era. Maybe these aren't, I mean, does this sort of make sense to break the, 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 history and, and they're probably breakdowns in what's ahead of this phase right now but there was an infancy phase where it was it was pretty darn free but it wasn't that relevant if you had right? the technology and, right, right and then there was free. then there was the first golden era where it was more widely available 90. and in and independent media was flourishing no like even no i, I think 90s was is like I mean, even to 2000, well, where would I put this? This is a good question. Do you know the first? So, infants, so when did the AOL CDs start going out? Like mid-90s? Mid-90s. It was mid-90s. Yeah. So I would say like 80 to 95. <coughs> infancy. 95 to maybe thousand. 2010. Yeah, it like, really boom until the, like 08, 09. Maybe maybe you want to break that up into like a growth phase. There was an explosive growth phase that was like, and then there was a gold. The, the radio was ninety five to two thousand five, and the 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 only golden age of independent media on the internet was like, I mean, it ended for me when Google bought YouTube. It ended for me. This is a weird thing to say about my personal history with the internet, but it ended for me when I went from making. 2 million views a month on YouTube and $6,000 getting paid sort of fairly for that uh, to that dropping off in a matter of months. That was 2013 for me. So maybe two, um, I mean, maybe 95 to 2005 would be like the adolescence 
You know, there's yeah. infancy, three ninety five pre OA pre AOL CDs. Then ninety five to two thousand five of the adolescence of the internet. Well, it right? took like twenty years Facebook. from the early seventies to the mid nineties for the internet to really even. Facebook was still a college only thing yeah. until uh, in, in two thousand five. Yeah. So I don't know. I remember because I graduated college in 2005. And even MySpace was was more for like bands. People right. were getting on MySpace to like chat. Like yeah. bands and artists were getting on to to find gig work. And so to 2005, maybe to 2015, was the was the the first golden age of the internet with the flourishing of independent media and social media. But then maybe and, and, and it sort of depends on where you want to. Pagan. Uh, to me, really, it's 2013. It's YouTube. Uh, well, it's 2012. I think YouTube was bought by Google, but 2013 they started really taking over it. Right. And it was it was when Google AdSense replaced the YouTube ad and and revenue sharing system. Hey, and wait in with a five dollar super chat. It is super chat Friday, you guys. Is it super, we're doing super we, chats. Well, I mean, we. Just got we're fresh off a one week ban from YouTube. We've got I don't I don't want to give I don't want to give YouTube money though. Don't don't we are giving YouTube money. It is YouTube Google. They take a cut though. They take a cut. We don't get any of you it. They take a cut. Thirty percent. So, so I would say in uh in 20, 2013 till today, and probably going for another five years or so. We are in the censored age yeah. of the internet yeah. where so much content is directed and controlled through major news and social media websites. And we see the, the seed being sown for breaking out into the next golden age. And it's Bitcoin, it's blockchain, it's what's happening right now with Odyssey. And so here's to Odyssey. I say we we only read Odyssey comments today. Oh, do you want to look? Okay, That's we're that link So yeah. only reading Odyssey comments. Yeah. So so oh so what I was getting at, producer note. Odyssey, we figured out how to plug it in to Streamyard, which is a fucking amazing, amazing. This is a huge leap for the internet, and uh, okay, maybe one small step. It's a significant <laughs> step though. Uh, so. They haven't figured out how to port comments from Odyssey into the back end of StreamYard that would allow us to put them on screen, like your YouTube comments and everything else. But I want to just celebrate this today. Joey's in studio. She can do it from her phone. So Odyssey comments only. Best and one. And look, I'm not even logged into Odyssey. Can you see it? It still says sign up. I'm not even logged into Odyssey and I can still there see you go. the live stream. So you don't have to get any new accounts. You don't have to get any any weird subscriptions. Um, you have you to get an account probably to comment. Account. Right, right. But you go make watch. an account. Go, go subscribe to our channel. Yeah. yeah. Why not? It's yeah. wonderful. Let's um, do it. And our channel has thousands of videos on it already. The do creators of Odyssey poured over all of our YouTube Yes, you guys are awesome. They That's because it was built into the library blockchain that it's built on, right? Odyssey is built on is MI right? library, yes. Yeah, so L B R Y. It's a very abbreviated but still pronounced library. L B R Y blockchain. And I, I remember seeing this a long time ago and never getting around to it. And I was like, oh shit, they're doing it for us. That's awesome. Yeah, so porting over all of we can say 
I mean, I mean, it's not quite as easy as we fantasized about yet. Like press a button and my YouTube archive is backed up on Odyssey. But that almost makes me want to like if if it's really like, ah, shit. I mean, if our YouTube channel got deleted and this is the thing that, that we agonize over is all of the links and embeds of my video other places would be fucked. You know, everywhere there's a blog post with it embedded, everywhere there's a social media post with it linked or something, like all of those links become null and void. So anyway, with that, let's take our COVID vitamins and then let Jim do the uh, producer notes. Oh, yeah, COVID vitamins. Gotcha. Boom. All right, Jim, what did we not cover for your producer notes? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just going to recover everything. So, T.me, forward slash Adam versus man as. <coughs> Excuse me. There goes my mic. Man, what a Friday. T.me, forward slash Adam versus man, public telegram channel. It's got all the links, all the great news links. So, you can follow along today. And if there's any stories that you're like, holy shit, I want to read more about that, or I want to click on that link that Adam didn't click on. You can do that at t.me forward slash Adam versus man. Everyone is welcome to it. Next, uh, we check out the Patreon, which Adam, yes, Adam did mention a Patreon, but I'm going to show you all the other levels. If you don't want to be part of the Producers Club, you can still donate for one, five, ten. There's even a $50 a month uh, selection, but $10 a month will get you access to that private Producers Club that Adam was telling you about. So definitely, if you want to get involved, that's a good place to start. Next, we can check out Instagram. If you like pictures and videos and you always wonder what Adam's up to up there in Gardenia, at the Garden of Freedom is the tag where you can check out all the cool pictures and videos from life up there in the free land of Gardenia. So definitely check out Instagram. Get yourself connected so you can follow all the new stuff that's going to be coming soon. Next, we got uh, HomefrontBattleBuddies.com. That's the best veterans nonprofit organization. Uh, that all of your donations are theft deductible. Yes, I said that correctly the first time now. I think I have that down. So definitely visit homefrontbattlebuddies.com and give your theft deductible donations through the link on this page. Next, we go to the crypto6.com, the, uh, the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. You can donate cryptocurrencies to the QR codes here to help them with their legal fees, or you can write to Mr. Nobody still sitting in a cage through this button right here. He would definitely appreciate that. So make sure to take care of that. Next, we go to gogreenenergyonline.com, the do-it-yourself website that we send people to that want to learn more about micro wind energy, solar power energy. If you want to know about how to go off-grid, no matter where you live, educate yourself on how at gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got. I hope you enjoy the show. Have a good day. All right. So first up on our stack is fun meteorological news. It's been a while. It's been a while, but now we have from goodnewsnetwork.org. This year's Perseid meteor shower will be super bright with up to 50 shooting stars an hour. That sounds like a TV commercial. It oversell it like that. No, but this is really cool. During the next few weeks, and by the way, Joey, mm -hmm. when you first came out here and started like looking up at the night sky. You see them all the time. It's the meteors here that are like. It's not even a big deal, man. Like I, it, it, it's so clear, 
and and this is one of the benefits of living in the Arizona mountains, living in in a place with the low low light pollution. It's just absolutely gorgeous night skies every night. Again, you look at the Instagram for the Garden of Freedom. You see, you scroll back. It's been a while, but you see some some really cool night photography that we've done out here, and captured actually in some of those time lapse photos some of the meteors. So uh, yeah, you can see them like stars. Yeah, the but they're staff. yeah they're amazing here. So during the next few weeks, uh, this year's show begins. July 17 lasts until August 26. Peak is on the night of August 11, running to the early hours of August 12. That's when the rate of shooting stars will be at its highest. With about 50 meteors per hour, the extra good news, the moon will only be 13% illuminated on August 11. So if you have clear skies, you'll have an excellent view of all those shooting stars. You can be anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. So, sorry, tough shit for our Southern Hemisphere listeners. I don't think we, this there is what we're pretty international, but we have, oh, there New Zealand and Australia. We have some, yeah. last night uh, into, into yesterday morning that I covered on Wednesday. And it wasn't that spectacular because we see them here all the time. Plus the storms were coming through. But we, there was a Southern Hemisphere meteor shower that just happened. And um, Tesla Pigeon on odyssey says another shower starts next month as well and it's supposed to be bigger you know what oh for the southern hemisphere yeah yeah i don't know tesla pigeon is that southern or northern hemisphere china if you would if you're not sure flush a toilet and see which way the water spins is that for real or is that just a rumor yeah it's crazy yeah i know welcome to earth it's fucking crazy so yeah be looking at the sky next just next couple weeks keep an eye out all right, from businessinsider.com, the drones are here. This is the title of today's show, titled, what did I, what did I actually call it? I got to check my notes. Uh, the drones are here. Still good news Friday. Yeah, no, when I say the drones are here, I'm not talking about the COVID idiots walking around with masks while vaccinated. You know, I, oh man, we have, we have, we, it's good news Friday. We're, we're not going to talk about COVID, nope. except that we have one good COVID civil disobedience story. Okay. But for now, Watch a Starbucks customer receive their drink order via a flying drone that lowers the delivery from the sky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why isn't this everywhere? Why can't you have an eighth of weed of whatever fucking strain you want drop out of the sky right now? Okay, or within drone flight distance time from your nearest favorite dispensary. There's a video so, of that on the internet, too, of a, an ounce of weed being dropped to a guy in his home arrest ankle bracelet standing right at the edge of the driveway. Oh, wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but now. actual, like, widespread practical delivery. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to blame government. I don't want to spend too much time blaming government for why we don't have this already. You know what? We could. We could. Because people would shoot them down just for the... It's like magic pinatas in the air. You don't know what you're getting. Like No, 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 no. That's not... A, no, there, there will be security so that that's not a thing or that's a fringe thing. Or that's... They let it happen so that it's a fun thing. You know, they have camera. They're going to have cameras and GPS, Joey. There's going to like, you're not so going to, and here's the other thing is if that were a problem, there's an easy way to engineer out of it. You fly the drone too high to get shot down and then it come, drops down where at its delivery point. That's, oh, that's fair. 
That's pretty. And that's probably how it's going to work anyway, because you're not going to want drone. You're going to want the drones flying. You don't want to see all that. Like, at yeah. like five to six hundred feet, so that it's like, oh, a bird in the distance. Wait, oh, wait, but, wait. How is that going to affect the products they're delivering, though? You know how you take a bag of potato chips cross country? I don't know if you've ever done this. The altitude change when you go from the, the East Coast swamp of D.C. up to 7,000 feet somewhere. Okay, the atmosphere of pressure is 3,000 feet of elevation. Right. So it, it, so it's going to, to affect the products. Feet. There's more to think about here. I'm just They'll saying. be in pressurized containers if they have to, Joey. <laughs> we will figure it out. No, but I, I first let me first blame government. Let me get that out of the way. Because uh, this technology is not that new. Like you can actually see now, how do we blame government for why we don't have this already? Partly the government's restrictions on drones already in the hobbyist space that you need licensing, yeah. things like that. That you can't, that, that uh, using airspace, you know, and you could have these for starters, you get them fly over roads. You can say they follow the roads, they're never over private property. That's fair. Or they're never outside of right of ways, rights of way. You know. So they won't be flying over your backyard. Never. They Just might never have to. That's that makes sense. That's, but like, if, if government wouldn't stand in the way of that with regulatory bullshit, we have it already. We can have that already. Yeah, totally. That's easy. But it's the 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 real reason to blame government is that that kind of regulatory regulatory uncertainty means that it is harder to make the predictions that make it safe to make large long-term investments in the technology. Same thing with cannabis. Like cannabis over the last few years started to turn that corner. Remember we started hearing about pot stocks, like it was the hot thing maybe five or six years ago. <clears throat> but really more in the last two or three years, it's kind of gotten reliable enough that you can invest in cannabis stocks, technology, businesses, knowing that well, it's not... It's, it's not die. It's not suddenly going to get killed by taxes, or change. yeah, it's going to change. And even that li is a limiting factor, but it's not stopping it, right? And so you have Amazon with all the incentive to push for this as fast as possible, right? And you see how they're working with government, even there. But Starbucks now, hey, if you use Starbucks by drone, you're gonna, it's so all going to be machines. You're going to have a Starbucks. Remember, I predicted the food towers. Yeah. You're going to have a food tower. It will 3D print or create whatever is the most efficient way, whatever food you fucking want, and then fly it to you. Like the idea of your own food will just, like, it'll be food tower food. And eventually it'll be perfectly clean and organic and healthiest, whatever. And it's just, you have your diet and you can even, I mean, there's just the possibilities. This stuff is around the corner. And why I'm excited about drones and drone delivery. And, and personal transportation is that it's a technology that is going to accelerate a lot of things in ways we can't predict, but also that cannot be suppressed. They cannot deny, governments cannot deny humanity this technology. And, and what does it mean? Like the food towers thing, I know that's jumping ahead a little bit, but like you want to follow a diet? You don't want to have to, you're, you're diabetic. You don't want to have to worry about having the perfect diabetic diet. You order from the food tower program for diabetics. You just have a different app on your phone or a setting 
on your phone and it delivers it in a green box instead of a red box and you know that it's or it's got your name on it yeah this is this is your perfect meal right now every every human on earth fed the perfectly healthy diet delivered by drone whenever they want it and they can even have options with flavors it's all machine whatever uh, i don't want to like, give like a computer control of my diet that's well, eventually you'll have one at home. I mean, I get, I get, like they could use your DNA to make the right suggestions for you and stuff. But what? We already have robot chefs. What about when Terminator? No, it's just happens? even smarter. What about Skynet Luddite fear mongering, Joey. It's terrifying. I've seen these movies. <laughs> yeah, that's not. It's. I mean, it's technology is fundamentally empowering. What happens when? Drones are available to deliver anything from anywhere to anywhere else. Incredible. Like Incredible. Like, that's what we need to be thinking of. Like, okay, so what is this? On Facebook, I want to chat. Not sure how. You're doing it. Go on Odyssey. O T Y S E E. But Healthy Disrespect says that she's having problems commenting. Um, it, I, I don't want to say it's your system, but. There's some commenters. I will Try deal refreshing. with glitches with Odyssey to support the platform and help it totally. develop. I mean, and don't forget, like, it was, oh, it was, YouTube was glitchy, too, at one point, right? Facebook's always been glitchy. Is Facebook still glitchy? Or is it just, they got the it smooth now? Glitchy. I mean, Facebook's had this weird, they did an update, and, like, yeah, it's, it's glitchy right now as we speak with your notifications. You got, like, scroll left to right at the top of your screen to find your different... It's a mess, and it's going to fix itself, and sometimes Messenger doesn't work, and sometimes it tells you you have messages and you don't have messages. And okay. sometimes it, so, yeah, it, everything's glitchy. Back to the drones. Back to the drones. Drones. Was, yeah, I'm on the internet, and I'm glitchy. So the, the internet, no, the, the drones. Imagine not just a world where anything you want that's available by retail drops out of the sky in less than an hour. That's part of it. But imagine anybody on Earth can pick up anything and fly it to anywhere else on Earth at drone flight speed. And there, I think the way it's going to work, and this is where I get into my my fantasy of like hub drones. Oh, like you don't need a post office anymore. Right, no need for post office. If you want to send something to Aunt so Carol, it's... UPS out of business. Like this is the thing with Amazon. Maybe why they never bought UPS because they could have because they knew that drones were coming. Like yeah, we're just going to get the station. Yeah. yeah, we'll just be a client for now. <laughs> you go, oh, client, you're like half of UPS's business, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's about to go away. Now, you know, I have a little fantasy here about protesting. Did you see that protest over the media in, in uh, this was in London a few weeks ago, where they dumped like a bunch of manure in front of the Guardian's offices or something? Yes. This is great. We don't have to protest in person anymore, people. You don't like so, what some politician is doing? All right, airdrop, horse manure, that guy's place right now. Here's problem address. You could shit in a box and you know the, the like lit paper bag of of dog shit. You could have a drone to do that for me, and then you could have the drone step back and videotape what happens. Oh, these kids are gonna enjoy it. But <coughs> my serious question. Isn't it really easy to hack into those drone signals and take over control of where they're going? So if I send a package somewhere, they encryption. Do they? They will. You think there's a way around this? I mean, I don't know. That's just I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. So, so maybe. So Joey, 
the cost reduction in shipping from this is going to be so big that it's going to cover a lot of loss. If there's loss to people getting shit shot out of the sky, we'll make another widget and send you another There's one. always something. Yeah. Not a big deal. Like, right. Drone but insurance. It might be that drones are a janky system. And if you have like a one of a kind piece of jewelry, you don't send it by drone. You, you deliver it in person. Maybe there's like a special courier service for things like that. But even then, I, I think about which is more reliable. I think at some point we're going to figure out this drone delivery technology to be more reliable than a bike courier. Yeah, it, well, like I guess the risk of it being, the risk of it being hacked or the risk of it being shot down is way less than the lives put at risk on the highway right now and the fossil fuels being emitted. And I mean, yeah. it seems like a, a no brainer, really. Well, I think even even if you were so, so this is a weird economic calculation hypothetical. But like, let's say you're a high end jeweler and you're making custom jewelry, and you're you're making pieces that are, you know, five ten thousand dollars each. Right. And you want to send those to your to your customers who order them custom from you. You're going to are you going to put this in a box and then give it to a person who's going to put it on a truck? Who's going to take it to a facility where it gets right? Or are you going to put it in one drone that zooms up and all the way over and puts it where you want it? And to your, I, I mean, I like your challenges, Joey, when you say, well, what about getting hacked? What about being shot in the sky? But at some point, we're going to beat that out. at some point. And then and maybe you have a security drone where you have insurance on it. And so if you're if you're delivering a $10,000 piece of jewelry or, or, or some rare artifact or whatever it is, you get to you get to fly it straight up. You know, you have a special you know, and it costs you a little more to send it. But it's so you high know? up. No, but it's like it goes, way. and it goes up so fast. And it goes to exactly, and it goes down so fast and catches itself right over the ground and then lowers and then boom. You know, and, well, and, and package dress. See, that's what I thought. As soon as you yeah, said, you're going to have more arms, right? A little drone following the other drone, and it's got little security drones. escorts. Security escorts. Scramble the security that's drones. That's yeah. Hey, get on Odyssey. Oh, no hey, more YouTube you comments. Thank you, Brian. That's, that's awesome. Bro. All right. So uh, the drop-off was complete. Back to this the story with Starbucks. Uh, the drop-off was completed by Flytrex, a startup that is looking to revolutionize delivery services. The company delivers goods from several major chains, including Starbucks, McDonald's, and Walmart. Of course, they're going to start with that. And this I'm not saying like this is a widespread thing yet, but this is right around the fucking corner. Right around the fucking corner. This is going to change your life. It's going to change a lot of lives. Speaking of which, goodnewsnetwork.org, our new headline, this repair shop is on a mission to fix our throwaway culture. And the store is called Remade. This is an interesting quirk. Uh, this where, where is this? In Glasgow. And it's uh, the Menden Repair Shop opened in the Go Govan Hill. It's a cool Scottish name. Govan Hill neighborhood. Hundreds of residents began bringing in broken electronics and clothes to be repaired, resisting the urge to rid themselves of the problem by going on Amazon and getting a new one. The shop is called Remade, and it's looking to change the way Britain consumes. A team of technicians, general repairmen, and tailors work, not out of charity, but as part of what the BBC described as a thriving business, 
fixing every imaginable gadget, home appliance, lawn machine, garment, jewelry, and even Christmas ornaments. Along with mending broken items, Remade also works to find items new homes as a second-hand outlet as well as connecting unneeded laptops or other internet-connected gadgets with homes that lack them. And I think that, that, that I have mixed feelings about this. Obviously, in and of itself, it's great. You know, you, you want to do this, it's it's serving people, it's filling a niche right now. But in terms of, like, the long term and, you know, the actual use of human capital, right? like, as, as clothes, but, you know, I, I, I think recycling technology might eventually make this irrelevant. Does that make sense? But it's very cool right now that there's an emphasis on this. And I wonder if the current trend towards this you know, throwaway culture that they that they, they describe here is uh, because of, of you know government subsidies and imbalances in market forces that create more incentives for the individual consumer to throw something away rather than fix it. Right now, so like look at this from an individual consumer point of view. If you have, like, I have cargo shorts that rip out in the butts, right? Because my butt's too big. And I flex my butt and my shorts rip. And, and I go, well, I could take this to a tailor and drop it off and, and have them fix it. But that would take me how long to drive there and back. And a new pair of shorts costs $20 at Walmart. I'm going to be there anyway. So for me, it's a really unfortunate thing that it makes more sense for me to get those, to replace those shorts than to repair them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like a certain material inefficiency in that. So I throw them away. They get burned for trash out here. Or we turn, well, at least we turn them into rags. We don't like throw away. It's uh, no, like don't. decent fabric out here. That's yeah, one of the nice things about out. homesteading lifestyle and not having to worry about, we have, we have, you know, unlimited storage here essentially. Uh, but if I wasn't, you know, here for, for if, you're, if you're living in a city, you know, this is there is that equation for the individual consumer tilted away from repairing because a business like this that provides what what is essentially very small services, right? Repairing clothing. You know, and there are tailors and dry cleaners that do tailoring repairs, but a lot of that stuff is pushed out. So maybe there's a huge niche here that needs to blow up. That'd be very cool. And so I would encourage everybody to at least be more conscientious about this as consumers for themselves. What are you buying? What are you throwing away? And are you profiting personally from some artificial skewing of incentives towards a throwaway culture? You know, you can get that new phone. You can get it. You can get it on on a payment plan, although phones are so small. I'm not really worried. I don't know. Phone consumption, but when you look at electronics consumption as a whole, yeah, that shit adds up. I think it's more in TVs, TVs and laptops and tablets at this point that are sort of like the bulk of of electronics waste. I don't know, but this is um, a very interesting thing to see if it takes off. So anyway, the store is remade in Glasgow. Good news network. Also, with our next headline, new Yale study suggests mammals might dream about the world before they are even born. Uh, I think. How did those ideas of the world get in there before they're born? 
you're in like a thing that's in the world growing while you're being born. So you'd have to imagine that whatever your host, your mom, call moms, is taking in is somehow impacting your little cellular imprint. As a newborn mammal opens its eyes for the first time, it can already make visual sense of the world around it. But how does this happen? Before they have experienced sight, a new Yale study suggests that, in a sense, mammals dream about the world they are about to experience before they are even born. This sounds like once you build the the computer before you turn it on, you load some software, right? You have to have the operating system loaded onto something. Right. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like booting up the operating system before turning on the computer. I, I guess turning that on is, is the argument theory that we're all computer right? simulations somehow. Well, there's that too. There's that. Writing in the latest issue of Science, a team led by Michael Crayer, the William Zeigler III Professor of Neuroscience and Professor of Ophthalmology and Visual Science at Yale, describes waves of activity that emulate from the neonatal retina in mice before their eyes ever open. This activity disappears soon after birth and is replaced by a more mature network of neural transmissions of visual stimuli to the brain, excuse me, where information is further encoded and stored. At eye opening, mammals are capable of pretty sophisticated behaviors of career. Senior author of the study was also vice provost for research at Yale. But how do the circuits form that allow us to perceive motion and navigate the world. It turns out we are born capable of many of these behaviors, at least in rudimentary form. I mean, it's just... Now, are you, are they dreaming of the world? Are they happy? Like, we, we, we are not quite, although we do have the Neuralink, right? Elon, thanks to Elon Musk. Uh, thanks to the people doing the, the work for him on that one. Uh, but we have the ability to take brain waves from people who are disabled and turn them into thoughts, turn them into computer code of sentences and language, and then have that read by a simulator, right? So pretty soon we'll be able to do this to fetuses, right? And see how complex. I hope we it's going to be a while before we like drill into a woman's tummy and not put a Neuralink in a baby's brain. No. Uh, but I'm, that's the kind of like, I'm okay with, with them doing that with mice. <laughs> Babies have x-ray vision and can see through the womb. Uh, I'll make <laughs> how else could it happen? <clears throat> Excuse me. Could it be that we all have x-ray vision? We just like forget about it? We we don't perceive it. We we like... We, we see, but we, we uh, like we take it in, but well, we don't perceive it visually. It's like baby lizards in the shell have a egg horn. What the little like bony thing on their nose? They used to break the shell, oh, and then it falls cute. off. That's I didn't know about. It's that. like humans have X-ray vision. Humans <laughs> have tails, right? Before they don't have like in that part of the, the tailbone penis, thing. Yeah, little tailbone thing popping out and going away. And... Anyway, Claire said these brain circuits are self-organized at birth, and some of the early teaching is already done. It's like dreaming about what you are going to see before you even open your eyes. I think it's just like the, the loading of software, like the loading of an operating system. 
but it's cool that it takes that form. You think about it, you go, wow, yeah, there's a pre-birth dream state. Rock we all experience. Maybe we somehow pick up on our mother's senses, which yeah, same thing. Like yeah. it's just you're picking up on it one way or the other. Well, there is there's there's the fetus experiences a whole host of sensory inputs that we already know about. Uh, auditory, auditory that we, you know, this is why you play Beethoven. Uh, you know, and it's and there's a lot of <laughs> bullshit around how effective that is. Oh, but we do that. know that it has an impact. Totally. We also know that through the umbilical cord, the nutritional supply contains information in the experience of that nutrition being delivered. Remember the longitudinal study? I've, I've talked about this. It was, I think, in Ukraine over a famine that lasted like three months or six months or something. They were able to determine decades later that adults who were fetuses during the time of the famine were more likely to be obese. The information from the umbilical cord was you live in a world where starvation is a thing. You need to bias your calorie intake and your storage of fat. And the end result is that those those people tended to be more obese. Well, yeah, information stores in our DNA. They they've proved that much. So if if something like there's um generational trauma is real and stored in the DNA, mental health experts right. are figuring out. So if you come from a line of family members that were fighting in traumatic wars, you may be born with some like trauma that makes no sense to you because nothing ever happened to you, but it's still stored in your DNA from your history. That's a thing. So where are we with artificial hearts? Speaking of, uh, you know, human optimization, I guess we're still in that block. Uh, nice to check in on how we're replacing organs. I'm really excited for nanobots replacing individual brain cells one at a time and then making us into, you know, supercomputers. But now we have this from goodnewsnetwork.org. 39-year-old becomes first U.S. patient to receive innovative artificial heart prosthetic but yeah that's yep, cool we're there this is so just kind of cool to check in with the technology and the cutting edge of uh, of the medical field and be like yep this is where we're at with hearts surgeons at duke university successfully implanted a new generation artificial heart in a man with heart failure a first for any hospital in north america the artificial heart was developed by a french company carmat why would they call it Carmat? I need Carmats right now. Like, yeah. First place my head was. Carmat in your heart. No, but it's. I'm sure it's a French name. Cardio. Car. Cardio. Mm, I don't know. It's all in caps, so it might be an acronym. Last year, the company received U.S. FDA approval to begin studies in enroll 10 patients with end-stage biventricular heart failure, people who are suffering on the waiting list for a heart donor and offer a life-saving bridge before transplant. We are encouraged that our patient is doing so well after the procedure Monday. So Dr. Milano, transplant surgeon, principal, investigator of the device study at Duke. As we evaluate this device, we are both excited and hopeful that patients who otherwise have few to no options could have a lifeline. That's incredible. It's amazing. 39 years old. Uh, this is a North Carolina patient, Matthew Moore. Referred to Duke in June after a sudden, unexpected diagnosis of heart failure. Uh, Moore and his wife recently adopted their two-year-old foster son. Arrived at Duke expecting only to undergo heart bypass surgery. But they said his uh, condition quickly deteriorated. And transplant became too risky. So they said, yeah, 
well, let's try this thing. And this is one of those weird things where you can't just can't just grab bodies and experiment with this shit. Yeah. A big part of it is you have to wait for the exact right patient, the exact right hospital, at the exact right time with the exact right doctor and the exact right technology. Look at that, they just carry over the heart. But then it's just like it's kind of like no big deal. When you look at this thing, it's, it's kind of goofy looking. I mean, it's got like uh, corrugated tubes coming out where you're like, I hope they streamline this design. But yeah, it's just did they do they make this in someone's garage? <laughs> <laughs> it's the prototype. It like hose clamps. It's yeah. the prototype. No, but this is very exciting. No, I just I'm just making fun of the, the appearance of this thing. Um, and there's no reason to except that it's it's fun. Uh, but holy shit, yeah, you need a new heart. We got you. We got you. Modern I mean, medicine's I mean, got you. Is this going to be an excuse for people to just eat shitty food and let their heart go out and know they can afford under their insurance to get a new one when we're on this, you know, grand nationwide new world order universal health care plan? I mean, well, sudden heart failure is a thing. That and that was the case sure. with this 39 year old. It wasn't because I don't, not I don't everybody think 39 you can. But that. is it going to but, give people who are already unhealthy the mentality that they can just keep being unhealthy and not have to worry about it because of the technology? Or will it... I want to say that I have applied that in one area of my life with cancer. Because there are too many carcinogens to worry about. Is this <laughs> aluminum can ink going to give me cancer in my lip, you know, in 100 years because I live to be 140? Maybe. We'll, we'll figure that out by then. I'm I'm guessing I'm yeah. hoping that's 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 but I mean maybe by then we're uploading our our brains into machines. No, Joey, the, the reason you the, the the reason I'm fascinated by you pointing that out is not just that phenomena, but the larger calculation for society of prevention and and intervention ahead of this. Yeah. And even if you say, you know, oh well, I don't have to worry about eating heart healthy or being healthy with my cardiovascular system in general um i think there's gonna because they're they're gonna be able to give me an artificial heart i think we're actually gonna be even better than that yeah i think you're gonna have nanobots they're gonna go clean out your arteries they're just gonna inject like, you with little guys and they're gonna go in there and they'll be like I once a year like maybe movie and they play songs in there be, the remember like the yellow was it the yellow school bus? Yeah, uh, um, the magic school. The bus. magic school bus. The result like, and the magic school bus. It shrinks down to microscopic proportions in order to explore the human body. Yeah. You know what? But and the guy who who engineers that probably got their idea watching magic school bus. As a kid, yeah, yeah. But they, but more that, and I'm not I'm not making that up myself. I didn't just come up with that off the top of my head. I, I read that somewhere. It's a thing. I mean, like, there are people. On. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the stories that I probably neglected to include in a Good News Friday because it's like, yeah, it's a little too out there. There's so many things that are happening right now, practical, exciting stuff, or just right around the corner. But you haven't watched Travelers with me yet. They have that in Travelers. See, they see, get see, hurt. Joey, Joey, Joey. Okay. Next. Or like Rick and Morty, where he breaks his legs and Rick comes back and just injects him with the thing, you know? Um, but I want to zoom out one more level of technological innovation here, Joey. Im imagine if we have the food towers that are able or, or 3D printing food machines in every kitchen everywhere because they're cheap and easy and you program it 
in other words, scans you and gives you a perfectly healthy meal. And you can indulge. First of all, we, we engineer food to satisfy all of our bullshit cravings and still be perfectly healthy. I think that's something that's already happening, right? I mean, just look at amazing frozen vegan options, right? But then you go to the next level. Unhealthy cravings is a psychological issue. Yeah, we'll fix that too. So some of these interventions, like it's pretty exciting. Hey, we can we can replace hearts. That's awesome. Not going to be a thing. It's like it's as cool as that is. It's not like oh, we get to replace hearts for their. Oh no, we're not. Next thing we're going to do is figure out how to not have to replace hearts. That'd be better. <laughs> or we end up uploading consciousness into robots. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Elon Musk, sign me up. I want to be the second guy to do it. Second robot? After the If the first one doesn't die, I'll be the second one. Wait, when your robot's out and about, can you still be mobile, or do you have to be still while your robot's out? So that's another possibility. And so that you want to go to the next level, like extrapolation of the Conscious hologram here it, yeah. of the fractal. It's maybe at that point, you don't put your consciousness in the machine. You're in a matrix pod. You know, you have a right. home. Right. And from there, you get to control. We got to watch that, too. Ro- you get to control well, robots. There's everybody's the got their little avatars. They can look however they want. Generally, they look like 20 year old versions of themselves. All the time. That's a big part of the movie. And then at home, they're just not overweight, miserable people because they aren't getting real human interaction. Like we don't want to get so advanced that we remove real human interaction. There that is going to be a point. Well, yeah. Okay. So that, that that so that raises what to me what what I've I've put my finger on as an interesting limit to all of this. And I, I actually have come to think about this partly around the COVID hyper consciousness around viruses and hygiene and things like that. And that our consciousness is the product of a very complex environment. You get a hangnail and pick it and it comes off and it's not part of you anymore. But your brain was aware of that. And is affected by that. And everything you eat determines what nutrients are going into your blood and therefore into your brain. And there's even a visual feedback loop. If you spend your time looking at sunlight, green stuff every day, that changes how your brain works. How's that going to work if your consciousness is in a machine? I don't think we're not going to be able to figure that out, but it might be some weird other limit that makes me just, you know, appreciate the gift of being the human consciousness that we all are right now. The universe becoming aware of itself. I mean, it's, it, it, man. All right, but it doesn't work unless you sleep. This is my. Eternal Quest. So we're going to interrupt some of the good news for some cutting edge. Well, this is still good news stuff. Human optimization, practical stuff. And uh, comments welcome on this one. I, I do think that a lot of people in, in, in our audience are similarly manic to me with the same 
animated by the same lust for life. So the Guardian has this headline, my deep sleep quest. I tried 11 popular insomnia cures. Do any of them actually work? By the way, the, the, the comment contest today is best comment on Odyssey. Anybody who we like on Odyssey who's commenting on Odyssey, I, I don't know, Joey, right? We're going to give away a bunch of producer club memberships today. Are we getting are we getting comments on Odyssey? Not. No? Not last. Is anybody still watching on Odyssey? I am. If you are, share it. Share it. We got some more fun stories here. So I want to I want to take, you know, if, if anybody has thoughts on these uh, oh, different insomnia fighting techniques. There is a bunch of comments on Odyssey. You had a refresh? Yeah. It's a little glitchy. I still have faith in Odyssey. All right. Yes. We are being heard. You want to read some of those while I take my COVID vitamins at, at the halfway mark? Uh, Tesla pigeon. Pretty cool until they threaten to turn off your heart if you don't get the jab. That's a good point. You got all this artificial stuff. Somebody's going to be able to control the button or hack into control the button of the things that are inside of your body. That's kind of creepy. Like, I was sitting here asking about hacking into drones. Well, I'm pretty sure, yeah. your heart, like, well, I'm pretty sure the heart. Well, baby, you already hacked into my heart. Oh. oh. Uh, but no, that, in terms of like the, this medical device, it's not it's not on, on the network. It's not I mean there's there are other problems with this, but yeah, no, I'm glad you raised the specter of control of all this technology in some very scary ways. I I I'm still optimistic. I think we beat it though. I think we beat the control with the technology. I think the force of the technology itself renders the control less effective in the same way, just just so far with the internet effect, you can't make war happen. Like you used to. No. Not anymore. I don't think they're going to be better, able to make these systems of central control work. You better hope they don't because uh, Tesla Pigeon goes on to say that when it does happen, he's going to hack Adam Kokesh's heart, upload status firmware to his <laughs> bios, and randomly have you switch back and forth during shows. <laughs> the the Adam loves Adam, the man. Yeah. Adam loves the man. Adam versus the man. <laughs> 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 to push him a button. Oh, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, but I don't plan my my brain is gonna give out before my heart. I'm I mean I'm pretty well. I mean I I'm. I mean, man, this is we we already have robots. Same thing. We've only got one viewer. Tesla pigeons. Chris Gannon. He was on last week. Uh, but he's uh, he brings a good point. He's already kind of a cyborg with his cochlear implant. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We can hack into your cochlear implant, Chris. Makes you hear wonderful things. <laughs> well, wonderful the, messages of freedom. That's what we do. We hack into all the cochlear implants and we play the freedom audio book. That's yeah, the ultimate. Yeah, right. the no, ultimate let's the water. LSD in the water supply. <laughs> all right. So the first one here in this story about insomnia sprays and roll ons. The insomniac is essentially a primitive, credulous. Creature, one whose cognitive functions are probably operating at about 3% of optimum capacity. This is how I, an otherwise rational person, have ended up using a balance me beauty sleep hyaluronic mist and balance me beauty sleep CBD concentrate rollerball nightly. Each worked once. Yes, time for me to retake correlation slash causation 101. So I can never stop, despite them not appearing to have made any appreciable difference in my sleep since. These potions smell delightful, but the use of the word beauty 
is hilariously wrong-headed. I look like a sentient bowl of porridge because I never sleep. I also heard great things about Alemis's pretentiously named Quiet Mind Temple Bomb, but was disappointed. It just smells and feels like expensive Tiger Bomb to me. My unquiet mind does not recommend. There's a lot of stuff in insomnia cures that are sort of uh, placebo effect. Totally. But they're very effective, right? Uh, whoosh, WTF on Twitch. The biggest thing to know about sleep insomnia is cortisol management. Cortisol, the stress hormone. Yeah. Um, that's the Operation Ivy band logo, isn't it? I think so. Oh, God, we're going to get a trademark. Come on. I don't think so for that. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, Joe, I think about like sleep routines, like bed, you know, sleep hygiene, you know, having a, having a meditative calming routine before going to sleep. Uh, best thing for sleep, athletic sex. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we got that done. Uh, but I mean, really when that's not an option and, and I think even, even after the sex, I mean, there's, there, there was something about humans that are programmed to like, Fuck and fall asleep. Yeah. And jerking off and falling asleep, you know, all, all right. Um, not as not as good. Definitely not, not as good. Not even as good for the sleep. It's not like, oh, yeah, I have an orgasm. Now my brain can turn off. No. There's something else more complete, right, about that that full experience. Oh, we got a fruit fly in here. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, does everybody like hearing me cough up phlegm? Mm. Is that fun for Good News Friday? Hey, we're doing comments all over the place now. Facebook, Elizabeth Cokeyard. I smoke indica flower at night for my insomnia. Works pretty good. That and putting down the damn phone. Putting so, down like, the phone. That's that's, that's the, the difference. Yeah, and and having some ritual to not go. Oh, I'm on my phone. Put it down. Try to fall asleep. That fucks me up every time. And. I, I think, uh, you know, part of the problem with jerking off is I always use, I'm always either looking at my phone or my laptop, right? <laughs> like there's always some digital media involved and I, I need some ritual after that to separate from the phone and transition to sleep. And this is where like sprays and roll-ons are kind of bullshit, but they can also, and, and I don't think you need like sleep stuff for that, but if, if part of your routine is okay, Put my phone down. And then you have some things to do before you try to fall asleep. It might be, okay, I'm going to rub a little lavender oil on my temples because that's a calming eye. Then there's what doTERRA oils. I haven't been using them much lately, but I, I have a nice collection. We really should get the oil diffuser set up in the uh, in the bedroom because it's the best way to make it smell nice. Um, and at night, too, it's a little, you know, humidifying just, effect. It's very nice. Smell good. Yeah, and... Okay. And it just there's a they have a sleep blend, and I think it's, it's lavender and some something else. Um, so the next one, pillow sprays. In my experience, the pillow spray is the weakest insomnia hail mary out there. <laughs> Conceivably, if the stuff were 99% Calvados, what's Calvados? I don't know. And I soaked my pillow with it, then sucked it. It might work. Is that some alcohol? Must be. Um, 
as it is while my this works deep sleep pillow spray with its super blend of lavender chamomile and vetivert vetivert is pleasant i'm sorry to say this does not work on me okay the 478 breathing technique you know what i i've discovered something recently i'm i'm dabbling in in wim hof and it's something that i've meant to do for a long time and if if I didn't have so much else going on in my life, if it was like sit here and optimize my health and play with my body and, and work out and, and, and enjoy the homestead, I'd be doing like Wim Hof stuff every day. But one of the things I, I've discovered, so there's this 11 minute video, uh, basic Wim Hof breathing technique. And it's, it's really shockingly simple of like breathing just hard and rhythmically and then exhaling and holding it and then harder and just going straight into it. And there's a weird like hyper oxygenation that happens over the course of it. It gives, gives you tingles in your, your fingers and toes. But, you know, I just play the video. I listen. And there's a Wim Hof app, by the way. I want to get more into that. I'm also doing splits training. There's this, I have an app that's got like a three month routine that you learn how to do the splits by the end of it. Check it. I haven't been keeping up, but every time I go to the gym and I'm not in a hurry, Part of my warm up now is to do this, like build in the splits training. Maybe I should do the Wim Hof. Like, yeah. If I had, a, if I was a professional athlete, right, and 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 my workouts were geared around optimal performance, and I had sort of unlimited time to build into them, they'd be a lot longer. Like I would start with the Wim Hof breathing technique, then I would do my yoga warm up, then I would do my splits training just for fun to be working that in. Then I would do my main, you know, weights or whatever training for, you know, the athleticism. And then I would do like, I, and, and Joey, like you see me, me lift. I, I do a pretty good job of doing the, the 10 to 15 minutes of yoga style stretching sure. before working out. And I have my it's important meditative, like, so I do this Hands locked up, stretch up as far as I can go up on my toes, bend forward, bend back, bend left, bend right. And I do that twice. And that's, that's my, okay, now you're, you're here at the gym, you're focused. And that's a really cool routine for me, but I wish I had more time. If I had more time where I, I, you know, I, I would do more cool down stretching, you know, um, I like to do a good 10 minute cool down stretch, but I forget it a lot because I don't know. The shower just seems like such a better idea when you're all done. I want to make stretching more of, you know what? This would be a cool, like, you want to have a, a real fitness movement? Let's make stretching like a cool social thing. It should be. So so when I was going back and forth for reasons I won't mention, in 2017 and 18, coast to coast, all the time, I, uh, I wish I'd seen the videos. They were on Facebook that got deleted after 30 days because they were like, you know, the live things. Uh, but I did shameless acts of fitnesses, shameless acts of fitness videos, like where I would just shamelessly stretch at the Love's truck stop because I had been driving for eight hours straight. And this was Cannonball Run style. We only had 10, 15 minutes and that was a stretch and then had to keep going. And I would full out push ups or stretch out or just, you know, if I we could find something to pull up on in, in the, in you know, the you know what store, we I do. We should we should petition like Loves and Pilot Travel Stops to put in little mini gyms like jungle like Zaria got showers a lot yeah. of truckers but how many truckers would be like oh yeah 
Let's bust out some pull-ups. Maybe I will do. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, there's a little yeah. push-up thing there. Yeah, let me go. Do, yeah. Oh, there's a little sit-up brace thing over there. You know, or like a little stretching area, even. But like, no, I mean like social stretching. I, and, and maybe this is a weird. It is a thing fantasy. where you get like, together and as if libertarian. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, as if libertarians weren't socially awkward enough. I'm about to make it way worse. No, because like when I'm so I do this a lot anyway. Like, is like remember when we were on the campaign trail? There were a lot of times you go to the gym, and then you got an event. Right away, and your your end time at the gym. so I'm at the event and I just did legs and I'm standing on a, by uh, next to a sidewalk you know on the street. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna reach over, I'm gonna do a little calf, I'm gonna put the ball of my foot up on the edge of that curb, and I'm gonna do do a little curb stretching, you know, or even on flat ground, just be like, oh yeah, oh, I, oh yeah, I just did legs today. I'm, I'm I got my hammies are a little tight, but like, but even just make that like a cool thing to talk and, and be like, you see someone, yeah, calves. Yeah, quads. Oh, yeah, shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, good backstretch, bro. You know, like, can we make that? Bro culture. That's already a thing, too. No, but then, like, can we make it more? I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna do this anyway and just see what happens. Yeah. But just, just that, you know, body positivity. Whereas, like, our instead, our, our culture of, of hanging out with other human beings, it, 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 like, it, this is sort of like if you were in the family room you know, watching TV with your family and there's a bunch of people just sort of hanging out, right? You know, you want to stop and stretch because you feel like stretching something. You know, you sit on the living room floor and do that and it's kind of natural and mom says, hey, can I, you know, what are you doing for dinner tonight? About, you know, it's just talking and being comfortable with your body. I want to bring that, you know, living room or family room physical comfort to all social interactions. Whereas instead, our, our current expectation of social demeanor is you're going to stand yeah you don't get you're to stand up straight yourself, right, oh, like right. You're, you're going to stand up straight and you're going to gesticulate and it's going to be this like hand to face to hand you know like this is the zone of communication and if you move your legs you're being weird you're like i mean think about this is i've never thought about but think about this like you think about polite society socializing what is your posture you're always standing vertical and your legs are doing nothing but moving, right? And it sounds really dumb. It's yeah. like an obvious observation. Uh, but what if it was more expressive? You know, what if, and what, what if we were all comfortable just in our bodies stretching all the time and using that as part of our social experience? I wish we would. That Is that a weird should. fantasy? I don't think it's a weird I think I think it's, I think it's going back to something that humans probably did. A long time ago, just naturally, instinctually. Maybe. All right, let's go back to the sleep stuff and so I could I could just ramble on unpacking that for the rest of the show. The four seven eight breathing technique. Plenty of research suggests breathing exercises are effective for relaxation. This one is simple. Breathe in for four seconds. Hold your breath for seven seconds, then breathe out for eight. I love that. That's, I've never tried that. I never heard of that before. I, before reading this article, like, wow, okay, breathe in, hold. This is gonna be really boring for everybody watching. You breathe in for four. You hold for four. You breathe out for four. Then six. Then eight. Healthy disrespect. It's exhausting, especially that last hold. 
But that's part of the point is to have a, a, a conscious, deliberate manipulation of your oxygen levels. Totally. Right? So the, it's sort of like the Wim Hof technique or, or the, 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 the one 11 minute basic breathing exercise. The thing shows up on camera. It, does. Like a, it looks like a UFO, though. It's kind of cool. There's a fruit fly in the studio. <laughs> one. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So for me, however, any attempt to focus on breathing leaves me unable to breathe normally at all. Can I trust my lungs, which are just eerie flesh crumpets, to send me to sleep? Wouldn't it be horribly easy just to stop breathing? You can imagine how relaxing yoga classes are for me. Uh, I, if, you, if you have that problem with breathing, uh, fucking work on it. Is there something wrong with your, like, your, your cardio system? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to judge the, the, the author of this article too much because it's a good article. I enjoy it. But um, that being unable to breathe at all, just that exercise, you don't ever consciously during the day connect with your lungs. No. I mean, even as even for us as like regular pot smokers, if anything, we're trying to not connect with our lungs, right? Like we're trying to just use them and not think about it and move on. Yeah. I mean, we have, I, I suppose I have more when I take a hit. Well, maybe we should be a little more conscientious on our pot smoking. Probably. Take it as a breathing exercise every time, right? It's a chance idea. to connect with your body that way and really appreciate it. Maybe get more out of every hit. Breathing deep. Like, one of the things I like to do. That's why you hold it in. Like, you don't have to. Well, holding, hold on. Like, holding it in is not a good get, thing. Holding no. it in is, is, is not going to get you higher, except for temporary oxygen no, deprivation. Absolutely. This I learned as a kid. But like, it's good meditative. It's, it's good. Like, you. Hold it in for a second. Take it in mentally. Like for well, what I like to take lungs. half a hit mm -hmm. and then take or take half a lungful of solid smoke and then chase it with half of the other half of clean air and let that swirl around in my lungs for just a second or two and then release it. But I why don't I do that every time? Most because of the time I'm just have, like, like eh, weed. Yeah. Um Who's what the fuck? Uh, being aware of breath is important for mindfulness. Yes. And that is, that's a, that's why I think just having more breath consciousness during the day is, is a really positive thing as a pre-sleep ritual. I am very breath conscious going to sleep all the time. And this is, this was taught to me. Focus to on your breath. So you stop thinking about all the other shit. And, and yeah. So I think that, that that's what I think. Even if a breathing technique is not the thing that sends you to sleep, I think it's a it's a valuable part of any pre-bed ritual. And if it's like part of meditation or lying in bed or stretching or the full Wim Hof or 478 or just how you actually fall asleep is like, okay, it's time to fall asleep. I'm relaxed. I've got everything else done. I'm going to lay down. And there go the dogs. It makes it hard to fall asleep, right? And, you, and, and now it's like, okay, now that I'm I'm in my sleep position, I'm being conscious of my breath. Maybe that's it, but you kind of got to have some of that. All right. The next one, weighted blankets. I love the idea of a weighted blanket, a sort of heavy fabric hug, albeit one with scarcely researched relaxation and sleep benefits. I acquired a 14 kilogram one secondhand, but was sad to discover not sleeping under. It feels like being implacably crushed to death by boiling lava. It took all my strength to drag it into a cover. So it won't be coming out anytime soon. Now, Joey, have you ever slept with a weighted blanket? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I slept with a weighted blanket on the campaign tour. 
and absolutely loved it. Because you were sleeping on a bunk on the bus. Yeah. And we were often driving. Mm -hmm. So having that extra like so comfort of, of that. Yeah, we yeah. didn't stop. It was you're sleeping or driving. Like that's how that went. So <laughs> no, I, I love the way to like it, but um I don't know if it would I don't think I would like it outside of you know that kind of situation, like a little bunk area or a cot if I had to sleep on a cot for some reason, like for extra security and an otherwise uncomfortable sleeping arrangement. Does that not uncomfortable, but not favorable, right? Well, I mean, I had, I, it's, it's funny to think about this now because we haven't used, I mean, this summer, sleeping in a cabin, very light blankets, if anything, and no top sheet. No. And I, for general comfort, generally prefer that. But when it's cold, yeah, and I actually want the, the warmth cold. benefit, you, it's not just that you want a big puffy blanket that holds around a lot. You want something that is like, even if it's not a, a weighted blanket, a heavy, flexible blanket yeah. that kind of conforms to your body a little bit, right? And so with that, what is this? Weighted blanket sounds excellent for cold weather. Exactly. Yeah, of course. That's... Um, but even then, you don't really need the weighted blanket if you have big poofy blankets. It's It's a different sensation. It's not for the warmth. It's really for that sensation. And maybe in the cold, it just makes it easier to, but like, why are you sleeping in a room that's unnaturally cold, you know, in, in, in the first place? Like, I get it. I mean, I, trust me, I'm a home setter. Like, I get it. But that's not what we're talking about. Is how do you sleep optimally given that you've already got a climate controlled room, right? Um, and, and I think for some people, a weighted blanket is great. I just wonder now, like, mm -hmm. When you're sleeping with someone else, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. But it's also nice. Oh, Elizabeth says uh, on Facebook, but I also have to sleep. I also have sleep paralysis occasionally. That pressure on my chest and the hallucinations are terrifying. Yeah, would, yeah I didn't think So maybe that. a weighted blanket. So one of the things that weighted blankets have been used for is autistic children mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, children who have trouble sleeping and have uh, physical sensation issues with their autism i'm sorry i'm not using the, the right terminology but i hope you all know what i'm re referring to here um a lot of people with autism have weird tactile problems and just rustling with a sheet making noise might freak them out and wake them up but having a heavy blanket oh and just keeping them gently physically pinned it's like why you night swaddle a baby allows a, yeah right allows a kid like that to get a good night's sleep so it's very, it's a, it's, it's a very powerful yeah, thing. I could see somebody with and, night terrors as an adult having issues with a weighted blanket. You wake up in the middle of a night terror and you think, I mean, you could think that somebody laying on you, like I could see that really being a problem. But the consistent pressure through the night probably makes it less likely that you get paralysis. Mm -hmm, maybe. Because your body can move and feel that pressure. It can move just a little, and you can still turn. It's not like you like, so I had a custom order a weighted blanket for me and I'm not that big of a dude. You know, I'm a little on the heavy side. I'm like 205, 210, but I'm 5'10". I'm like average height for an American adult male. And all the weighted blankets that you get like at Walmart are too light and small and cheap. And I actually, um, what is that? That is my computer not refreshing. Did you accidentally put that one? I tried to delete that and it showed it up. And then spam it's like froze. sneaking through our screen. Sneaky's Jim, take that down for me <coughs> while I refresh them. Oh, excuse me. So wow, 
I actually spent like I think $160. It was expensive to get a serious weighted blanket. When I say I have experience with weighted blankets, like yeah. I I got like it was a queen size. Man, it's even even then it's not that big. It's the size of the top of a queen mattress. It's it's not enough for two people. Unless you're like right up against each other the whole time, in which case like you don't need that. Yeah, then you've right? got the but I found when I was sleeping alone, they're helpful. Like the 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 and, and in the cold too, you know, pushing other blankets into me and giving that like warm feeling, that was nice. And and if I was sleeping alone for an extended period, I would probably, I would at least experiment again with the heavy blanket. It it had some positive effect for me. Next one, CBD drops. The wonder compound CBD is in everything now. Snake oil, crisps, lipstick, toothpaste. All of these actually exist, yes. CBD puts me in mind of a family anecdote in which redacted relative gave my mother redacted controlled substance on Christmas morning. It hasn't done anything, she complained sometime that evening. Of course it has. You haven't cried once, replied redacted relative. <laughs> this informs my relationship with CBD. I don't think it's doing anything to aid my sleep, but perhaps I'd be even worse without it. That's interesting. And... I really have not adequately experimented with with cannabis for sleep. I got to admit, I really should because I I, because I know that smoking right before sleep is not good for me, usually, unless it's like heavy indica. Uh, but any kind of sativa before bed, mind racing, and even then, it's better for me to slow down, smoke a pot a couple hours before bedtime. That's why I got the fifty fifty strains in Colorado. Huh? So. But that's but for me, I think edibles, edibles act completely different and are to, like, it, it, I I I really want to experiment more with edibles. Uh, uh, I probably been, should. There's been periods so. in my life where I've needed weed to sleep, where I've needed the Gorilla Glue is what I always went to. Gorilla Glue number four, they call it now, because it's been genetically changed so much. But no, still that put you on your ass, fall asleep, and it was the only way for a period of my life that I could fall asleep. All right, so next, melatonin. The hormone melatonin is produced produced by the pineal gland in the brain to prepare the body for sleep. The mysteries of international regulation mean you can buy a truckload of it in the U.S. in your local Whole Foods along with a $20 watermelon or some deliciously dippable kale shapes. But here it is prescription only. What? This melatonin? is in the U.K. This is, this oh, is, this okay. is from The Guardian. Wow, really? Melatonin is prescription only in the. It's that's so dumb. Jesus. I mean, if that doesn't like, I got a sidebar for a second on waking everybody up to libertarianism because, like, if you see that, and you don't go, well, fuck, this doesn't make any sense. You just kind of let people let that shit go. This this writer, this this woman in the UK, this is um, Emma Beddington. Yeah, her last name is Bennington. She's writing an article about sleep. Um, <laughs> how do you go? The government has made it illegal for me to buy melatonin here, but it's legal everywhere in the United States, and it's not like the sky. Well, the U.S. has pr plenty of problems. I don't think you can blame any of them on melatonin being legal um, for over-the-counter consumption. How do you not, how do you, like, this is the worst programming of humanity. Is to, that 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 we have been programmed 
to let shit go. Taking too to, much to accept a glitch in the matrix and just not stop and be like, "Am and I in the matrix?" Like, okay, on to the next sentence. Yeah, right? like not like, wait a minute. Wait, yeah, like we hold on, hold on. Because <laughs> as soon as you do that, you go, "Wait, why do they have the power to make melatonin illegal in the first place?" I think I bet you it's because it, it has to do with the pineal gland, and that's the. Yeah, but pretty uh, soon you go to no. Using. There's that's all sorts of shit that's prescription only. There's Not okay, so you can take too much melatonin. I there's there's a there's a, the concept, Joey, in in prescription versus over the counter is is this safe for individual consumers under their own supervision without a doctor? Right. Why does the government get to draw that line? In the first place, they, well, because they're the government, of course. Remember, they did, they did all like, that all that medical school that they were in. No, that that's that's the paradox. Is every, why why are people who never went to med school making medical decisions for, decisions for everybody? Every major modern drugstore has a liquor section. <laughs> you can literally, like, you have to jump through all these bullshit hoops to get pseudoephedrine to go to the back to get pseudoephedrine. By the way, uh, you know, as an allergy sufferer, I use a lot of decongestants. When I go to the drugstore, they limit how much pseudoephedrine I can buy because someone might turn that into meth. But there's a meth dealer in my neighborhood, and when I go to him, he never checks my ID, and he never limits how much I can buy. So now I'm on the internet looking for a recipe to turn meth into pseudoephedrine. And you, it's yeah, madness, madness. So, how do you not go? Well, what? Like, I mean, you can you can literally go and for twenty dollars buy a bottle of shitty vodka that would kill almost anybody. Yeah, literally kill it. Like you just drink the bottle. If you, you drink die. the whole bottle, you're dead. That's it. One bottle within you're an dying. hour, you can die. Totally. That's. But we have to make melatonin require a doctor's prescription because this is the UK. Tell you know it's bullshit. Under any All right. government system. <coughs> anyway. It's good news Friday. Good news. So Friday. she's forced to procure it from a friend in the US who sends it to me in exchange for marigold bouillon powder, which puzzlingly is available in US Whole Foods branches. <laughs> or is unavailable. Oh no. Marigold <laughs> bouillon powder. I'm sure you could order online, but yeah, retail probably only available in the UK. Yeah. So they're trading this powder for melatonin in their home uses. Let's see, this is what the internet's great for, too. Do you, what was the first thing sold on the internet? Do you know? I don't. It was in 1972. It's pre internet, internet the way we know it now. Uh, it was a bag of weed. Google oh, it. right. Yes. It was like an MIT student yep. to somebody else. Google it. Some I promise college, right? you, the internet started yeah. off on a great foot. That's why I have faith in the internet because. Yep. All right. So back to the melatonin. Yeah. The melatonin itself, chewable and mildly peppermint flavor, does not rock my sleep world noticeably. If you wish to take something similarly underwhelming, you can get 5 HTP at health food shops here in the UK. I love that. Stuff. It's an amino acid that indirectly stimulates your production of melatonin. Through a mechanism too complex for my insomnia brain to understand. So this is interesting. Um, my experience with melatonin is that it's like a mild boost if you time it right, but it's not really worth the effort. Like trying to make yourself sleep better by dialing in your melatonin. Uh, I, I suggest everybody try it. If you're, if you're in the U.S. and it's cheap and legal at least, 
Uh, it's very cheap. You get a bottle at any drugstore for like 10 bucks or less, yeah. right? You should try it. If you have any kind of sleep issues, try melatonin. Valerian root. It might, it might help. It might work for you. Um, 5-HCP is also like, it's, it's that uh, amino acid uh, stimulates your production of melatonin. But, but these are very subtle daily, effects. Yeah, that's a subtle effect. Like yeah. 5-HCP I, I took for a few years when I was having sleeping issues. Yeah, I, I it had took that. some time to, to work in, but I really didn't notice it. I like, for instant, just, oh my God, I'm having a problem sleeping right now and this isn't normal for me and I'm like, why? I take valerian root. And it's funny because if you take one valerian root pill, you feel stoned. If you take two, you pass the fuck out. So it, that that when I was a kid was always funny. I'm like, so my weed's illegal, but this pill that essentially is giving me the same effects, I can go buy, and I could go buy at twelve if I wanted to. You know. <sighs> Up next, counting backwards from one thousand in sevens. Sure, two a.m. maths is definitely the best maths. You know. Over the counter pharmacy remedies. I swear if anyone else tells me how powerful night nurse is, I'll be making a blood sacrifice to Morpheus. It's not that I don't believe them. Susceptibility levels do vary enormously. My stepfather gets stoned and delirious if he takes any over-the-counter pain relief. But for me, night nurse, nitol, and similar are basically useless. Many of these over-the-counter remedies are antihistamine-based. For me, anti any antihistamine strong enough to make a difference to my sleep leaves me dry mouth, a dry mouth walking corpse. The next day, incapable of coherent thought and forced to sit down to shower, much like my stepfather after a baby aspirin, actually. Now, I, I want to, to say something about this in the, the general, you know, far, the other realm of pharmaceuticals, which I would include uh, Z-Quil and NyQuil with, right? Um, and what's what's the one that I love? Uh, Clonopin. Uh, these are all essentially pharmaceutical interventions. Putting your body in an unnatural state, a state uh, chemically, right? Um, clonopin, it, it, it's a very small drug. It, you, it's a ten milligram pill, I think that I that I take, and I have a prescription from the VA for it. Um, and I, I, they gave it to me as like take this nightly to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Fuck no. Like, but if I have had a few nights of bad sleep, I will will occasionally resort to a clonopin or alcohol. And I would say alcohol is kind of in the same category, but obviously alcohol is different. But in terms of like the, the, the category of sleep strategies. And I don't think there's anything wrong with using those things sparingly. But I'm very, very suspect of long-term effects of, of stuff like that or being dependent on them and how that it, at some point you need to take the crutch off your brain so that it can walk naturally. Right. You get that mixed metaphor there. Totally. You know, if it's a crutch, you need one night because you know, you're going to be better and happier and healthier with one chemically induced night of sleep. You fucking do it. But I think if you're doing that every night, you're going to have problems. And part of it is the drowsiness. Uh, some people will be fine with it. Some, what I figured out with the clonopin I can do so I can dissolve it under my tongue. And hmm. so it's, so it's, it's a lot more fast acting. Oh, really? Yeah. No, slow releases if you swallow it and it's digested and absorbs through your guts. But it's in your tongue, at least some of it, it's some of it becomes front loaded 
and helps with the falling asleep. And then I don't wake up as groggy. So a little pro tip there on, on clonopin, something you might want to experiment with dosing or other sort of pharmaceutical interventions. And I, I prefer clonopin because it's to, to, uh, to NyQuil or ZQuil um, that are the antihistamine based ones, like I she said, because it's, take them. Zquil is just hydro. It's the same shit that's in Benadryl. The Nyquil. It's, um, no it's a slightly different formulation. Oh, but it's uh, okay. diphenylhydramine. The the Nyquil. Diphenylhydramine. When I take the, the last time I took Nyquil was like twenty years ago, and it bounced me off the walls as if I did an eight ball of cocaine. Walmart like can't brand take, Can't take the Nyquils. It uh, does not put me to sleep. It does the exact opposite. Like I'll stay up all night. Uh. Like I'm at a rave. It's that sucks. I, yeah, I won't take it. But I've I've always had really weird reactions to pills. Like you're saying, Klonopin knocks you right out. All I need is one of those Benadryls, and I get the same effect. Just gone. Done. All right. Up next, the U.S. Army technique. This hack is all over the internet, along with the claim that it works for. Excuse me. Ninety-six percent of people within two minutes after six weeks. Yeah. Some of the time, it works all the times. Uh, defy the P, commenting on Periscope. Kratom has been feeling refreshed and renewed in the morning. Use about once a month. That's Thank you for mentioning that. This conversation would not be complete without a mention of Kratom, which I've experimented with, and it's always had minimal effects and just feels weird digestively. I haven't fully experimented with it properly. Most of the time, it's just had no effect for me. So, But I've never experimented with it when you know properly where i was sort of everything else held constant you know and and then tried it uh but yeah if you're having sleep issues definitely look up kratom and and read some stuff about successes that other people have had with it right so impressive numbers for the u.s army technique the basics you tense then relax your face make your body go limp try to think of nothing, then visualize a canoe in a calm lake or lying in a black velvet hammock. If these visualizations don't work, you're supposed to say, don't think, don't think, don't think to yourself until your mind empties, then voila, sleep. I get very angry when I think about it because I spent several long farcical nights muttering, black velvet hammock, black velvet hammock, black velvet hammock, to myself for hours, like some kind of deranged 1980s magician because I got confused and bad at following instructions. Obviously, I have never made it to six weeks, so cannot vouch for the technique properly, but I have developed a visceral aversion to hammocks. <laughs> I know that the mantras, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think. Or like counting your, counting sheep. Um, I've never had much success with that. I watch ancient animals because it's mindless. Like, or TV, but or I will find the most mindless documentaries, and this has worked for me my entire adult life. I don't trust all that shit sleep. into my sleeping brain. I why subliminal programming? I don't believe in alien. Okay, look, I have seen I have seen every episode of Ancient Aliens probably fifty times each episode over the twelve years it's been out, and I don't and I fall asleep to this and will let it play on loop out of my on loop, and I wake up and it's there and it's just always there. And it has not subliminally made me a nut job that thinks that, oh, okay. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's, it's. I'm not saying it's ancient aliens. It's, it's all. Is the reason you're so weird. <laughs> but ancient aliens. 
yeah. Mindless TV puts you to sleep. I know. It's worth pointing out, too, for some people, background noise that is actually mindless TV where it, it, it there's, there's a, I've experienced this. And I, so I know there's some legitimate effect. It's not problematic in and of itself. You know, like reading a kid a bedtime story until they actually fall asleep. It's that there's something that holds your consciousness, your 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 conscious attention in a way that your brain knows is not important. Yeah. And it can just sort of let it go and fall asleep to that. That's a pretty cool phenomenon. My grandmother right? put MASH on to put me to sleep when I was a child. Every single the, the, the show, TV show MASH. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, so the other thing I want to point out that's not in here <laughs> is uh, white noise. And I have found in my white noise app on my phone Love. that rain in the forest. Just having that on the background, that programs me. I mean, it masks, like even here, out here, where it's so quiet overall. Neighbor's dogs bark at night. All right, shit. Forgot to put on the white noise. Put it on. Like last night, that's what we did. It was fine. And uh, slept all night with this gentle noise in the background. For some people, babbling brook or actual white noise. I like the texture of it. Then that it's got some one because it's better for hiding. I find that like if, if it's if it's white noise, like that if there's a bark, like a punctuation noise, I'll still pick it up and it'll freak me out even worse. Because <clears throat> um, I'll start listening for that, you know. But the the white noise of rain in a forest has has that natural texture to it. I find that that's been very helpful. Up next, lettuce water. I only tried the daft. TikTok tip to drink lettuce infused water before bed because it seemed completely ridiculous. I wish I could surprise you with the revelation, but it gave me my best night in a decade. Lettuce seed oil is traditionally used as a sleep aid, so it's not utterly outlandish. But I drank an unpleasant, lukewarm cup of lettuce juice last week, then slept very poorly. I don't think there's a viral TikTok in that. Uh, cognitive shuffling. The concept behind cognitive shuffling is that focusing on a series of random, unconnected words replicates the visual images. And micro dreams that immediately precede sleep. I tried it twice recently, but thought you were simply supposed to think about unrelated innocuous nouns, sausage, paperclip, lamppost. My exhausted brain was defeated by around the eighth noun. Success. <laughs> but reading more carefully, I now see you are supposed to choose a letter. Think of a noun starting with that letter. Then visualize the noun before moving on to the next one. Are you kidding me? I don't come to bed to follow a complex and exacting set of its instructions. I come to bed to heat uh, to heat to the temperature of the Earth's core and wipe under boob sweat on my pillow, feel murderous at the sound of my husband's peaceful breathing, then contemplate the time I overheard my neighbors discussing how filthy my house was in 2009 for three hours, as is right and proper. Conclusion, sometimes the remedy is worse than the cure. Mm. So what's left? I suppose I could still try a cooling mattress topper, white noise machine, or dog's earwax, which is apparently the beauty, sleep, higher, hyaluronic mist of the 16th century. Dog's earwax? What? For now, my most restful nights yeah. are the ones when I convince myself that it doesn't really matter. The best medicine I fear may be acceptance. But for the brain to work properly, this is one of those weird things about like this organic phenomenon. Like your, your brain is not this abstract computer-generated consciousness. It is the product of your body. It is the product of your environment. It is the product of your genetics. 
It is a product of the universe becoming aware of itself that creates this human consciousness that, sorry, you got to turn it off for eight hours a night or it's going to fucking malfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Acceptance. All right. We got a bunch more headlines to skim through now that we had so much fun with that sleep one. This is uh, this, Some of these are quick. Goodnewsnetwork.org. More than half of Americans have a new definition for financial well-being after the pandemic. Full finds. Yeah, we had to talk about the pandemic this way, too. No, but this is that uh, they think of inadequate savings as uh, so conducted by one poll on behalf of Capital One. The survey found respondents. We got to give our corporate plugs here. Uh, The survey found respondents added one month of emergency expenses to their savings, an average of five months pre-pandemic to six months now. That's interesting. That the pandemic economic upheaval has led people to be more savings conscious. That's pretty cool. Another little silver lining. From goodnewsnetwork.org, company says its multi-day storage batteries for renewable energy are the holy grail we've been waiting for. This is really important. I think the story explains it. Unveiled after years of work, an energy startup in Massachusetts is claiming that in a few years, they can produce at scale, the battery you need to fully retire coal and natural gas plants. Done. Done. Hoping to solve the key challenge with renewable energy, that of storage. Form Energy's new battery technology, which they're calling the Holy Grail, ditches lithium one of the most abundant minerals on earth, iron. Oh. oh, yeah. We figured out how to do it with iron. How about that? Many many battery startups are looking to create a battery system that can reliably store the energy generated when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing for those periods of stillness and darkness when no energy can be created. A deep dive into Form Energy's inner workings by the Wall Street Journal revealed this gem of a quote that there is a Cambrian explosion going on in the sector of batteries and energy storage. Yeah. So this is it. They, uh, they 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 use the chemical reaction that creates rust, i.e. iron and oxygen, to store energy in a kind of technology known as stage transition, which harvests the energy given off by matter when it's stressed or changes form, for example, from a gas to a liquid or when a giant weight is lowered, held, and dropped again. That potential energy. They figured out how to do with the chemical reaction that creates rust. Wow. Right around the corner. We said we'd come back to the story, but I don't really want to. It's going to piss the government off. Now, the sun.com shooting for the moon. Jeff Bezos offers NASA $2 billion in exchange for moon contract for Blue Origin to land astronauts in space. This will just be teasing apart all the bullshit about why this is a bad deal and why this is a product of corporatism. And statism and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, we're going to space more than before. That's, That's good, good news. That's good. It's good news. Army Times. This is a weird innovation one. We're talking about brain function, right? Military funded research looks for the secret to GPS free navigation in a bird's eye. What? So it's not good news that it's come from the Army. Wait, wait, wait. Not good news that it's government, but that we are that we are probing this level of nature what? to see if we can do GPS better. 
Monday, or military-funded scientists have isolated a protein present in the eye of a migratory bird that may explain how our feathered friends travel vast distances without a map and how future soldiers might use that ability to fight without GPS. The research is in an early stage and is not likely to be in the hands of soldiers in the next few years, but it could ultimately lead to direct applications or unforeseen opportunities in other areas of research and military development. Researchers have hypothesized for decades about how birds, fish, sea turtles, and insects may be using the Earth's magnetic field to navigate on long-range patterns across the globe. That's so cool. We're learning how the birds do it. Then they're going to dissect the birds and try to like put bird DNA into soldier DNA and make like, uh, all right, I'm going. Okay. No, 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 no. You Maybe take, I shouldn't watch you it. Take a bat, you take a bat and you bite the head off and then you slap it on your forehead so you get echolocation superhuman powers. That's what Ozzy was that's trying simple. to do. That's simple. Like, why get all scientific about it? Let's just go back to the black magic part of things. So, no, I just think this is cool that they're they're probing this. And, like, I, honestly, I don't even fully understand it. But by analyzing the migratory European robin, researchers isolated a protein in the bird's eye and then tested it to learn that the protein can help a bird detect the Earth's magnetic field and navigate their migration. Now, that's that's the the, the mapping and the relevance of that, I think that's more interesting. But that they've got a protein. Think about this. How do birds know how to migrate? Go go north and south. It's they go. With they might actually have a protein that serves as a literal internal compass. Yes, they do. They I okay. I'm like my head's pulling an old file out here. But like I feel like in elementary or middle school we had this whole discussion and we were just talking about birds at the zoo, maybe in class. Like I feel like I knew this that birds just know how to go with the magnetism, that it's not the sun, right? Because you know, it's how, how we as humans we sail and go with right. if we didn't have a compass, we'd notice the the east and west sun rising and setting and, and we would just kind of go off. Some and animals they know. evolved to have internal compasses before Higher thoughts. Yeah. It's survival, right? Now we're figuring this out. I don't know. Yeah. From the independent, scientists see light from the other side of a black hole for the first time. That's what I've always wanted to see. Like, why are they hiding the good light behind the black holes? Can someone please reach behind of that black hole and just hold a mirror up so I can see <laughs> some of the good light? We'll see the light. Scientists have picked up light from the other side of a black hole for the first time ever. Well, it's the independence's first ever time. Is that a Britishism? That's Such true. an observation might seem not just difficult, but outright impossible given black holes famously eat up any light that goes That's near them. But the new study used an unusual effect where the light echoes around the black hole such that scientists can see it from the other side. The detection came after scientists examined x-rays that were being thrown out into the universe by a super, that's not x so like scientists, x-rays being thrown out. They had, they made x-rays and they threw them in the garbage. No, no, no. X-rays, rays of, yeah, like the, 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 the beams being 
distributed into the universe by a supermassive black hole. It sits in the middle of another galaxy, 800 million light years away. That's really far. Those X-rays kept to a strange pattern after the bright, flaring X-rays that would be smaller and later ones, which appeared in different colors than those more obvious ones. Cool little light analysis, how we probe our understanding of the universe. Now, I told you we had a positive COVID civil disobedience story. This is from theweek.com. Unvaccinated U.S. swimmer slammed for going maskless at Olympics. Michael Andrew, the American swimmer who previously revealed he isn't vaccinated against COVID-19, came under fire Friday after going without a mask while speaking to reporters at the Olympics. And if I recall, this is the guy who said, I'm not getting vaccinated because I've judged that to maintain my optimal training, I can't afford the downtime of the vaccine side effects that are common. And that's more of a problem for me than the likelihood of getting the virus and being asymptomatic because I'm fucking young and healthy. Uh, duh. And it's, I love that, that, that there's, there's a certain courage in being able to say that and just out of like, yeah, I'd rather risk getting COVID than risk having a, a down day from the vaccine. Because the only retort they have to that is, well, you have to get the vaccine so you protect other people. So you don't, the odds, of, and, and now that, that whole myth, like I just shared this graphic that I got from uh, Voluntarist yeah, Memes today. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's a chart of COVID jabbed, unjabbed, can get COVID. Yes, jabbed or unjabbed, you can still get COVID. Can transmit COVID, jabbed or unjabbed. Yes, you can still transmit COVID. Can you be an asymptomatic carrier, unjabbed or jabbed? Yes, check, check. Side effects from the vaccine. Nope, only for the jabbed, not for the unjabbed. Like, yes, finally. Like What I've been thinking, put in a simple infographic, you know, so he's just saying, yeah, it makes sense for me. You know, just, uh, you know, I, even accepting all your bullshit, risk analysis, yeah, it doesn't make sense for me. And it, right. it's it's it, it it's a real kind of leadership that he has afforded as an athlete in this sort of subtle way. And I, and it's not him coming out and saying this whole thing is bullshit. It's all a racket because that wouldn't be as effective. He's just in a, in a very subtle way saying, I'm not going to get vaccinated and I'm not going to wear masks, uh, wear a mask where it's not a big deal. So he stopped in the area at the Olympics where reporters can conduct interviews with athletes and decline to wear a mask saying, for me, it's pretty hard to breathe it, breathe in after kind of sacrificing my body in the water. So I feel like my health is a little more tied to being able to breathe than protecting what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of true for everybody. No shit. Um, but in that sense, he said that it, 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 it's sort of confusing. Like if he's allowed to do interviews without a mask because they want athletes to be able to do interviews without masks, but only when distancing, of course. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited for this because this is uh, a bulwark to the 50% of Americans who have not gotten vaccinated. Um, and so he still gets attacked, you know, saying that he's an American embarrassment insulting to every one of his USA teammates who have been wearing masks. USA Today reporter Chris Bumbaka also slammed him for disgusting and selfish behavior. No, no. Trying to get other people to do what you want so that you can behave and, and take more risks. That's disgusting and selfish. I mean, the way, the, the way that they've tried to shame people in this, and he's, he's, he's brought this out in such a beautiful way. I think this is great news. I think it's great. So... 
And he said, oh, the, yeah, he is the guy. Sorry. He said, the swimmer previously defended his decision not to get vaccinated against COVID-19, telling Fox Business he didn't want to risk any time out of the pool. And again, you go, well, even if all their shit is correct, if you're vulnerable, don't get the fucking vaccine. Practice hygienic isolation for a while. You can still get, I mean, yes, you're going to sacrifice or limit your touch contact to other people. Fine. Still a better alternative. So Forbes, India, cool couple last gardening stories from well, plant stories. Forbesindia.com. Hong Kong's urban farms sprout gardens in the sky with their heads in the clouds and their hands in the soil. A group of office workers are busy harvesting the fruits of their labor on the roof of a Hong Kong skyscraper. Yes, 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 this everywhere. Green towers, future of cities. If you're going to have a, yeah, so much potential in this. I, I remember seeing some sort of fantasy playing drawings of modern cityscapes with uh, food tower apartment buildings that were basically encased in grow ops and had on the on the roof and stuff. I don't know where this goes, but even just with existing terraces being, you know, and, and, and decks and, you know, little balconies, you know, being more organized as food gardens. Here's the problem. Everybody's so distracted. No, everybody's so distracted by their nine to five, which ends up being a 12 hour day for most people when you add in commutes that there's no time. They think there's no time for them to even put into that when. It's, All right, we got one last story to get to. This is way more fun. Good news, but no, I, I there, there are a lot of problems with this. But let's 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 uh, plot a positive trend. Urban farming. Okay, yes. urban farming. Not ill. Dot us. Nautilus. Plants feel pain and might even see. It's time to retire the hierarchical classification of living things. In 2018, a German newspaper asked me if I would be interested in having a conversation with the philosopher Emmanuel Kotia, who just written a book about plants, the Wurzen der Welt. Published English as The Life of Plants. So, the German title of his book translates as The Roots of the World. It appends our view of the living world, putting plants at the top of the hierarchy with humans down at the bottom. I have been giving a great deal of thought to this myself. Ranking the natural world and scoring species according to their importance or their superiority seem to me outdated. It distorts our view of nature and makes all other species around us seem more primitive. And somehow unfinished. And with that speciesism, this is a fun story. I'm going to be reading over the weekend, which you can find with the notes at t.me slash man. Joey, do we have any comment contest winners? Anybody you liked? We have no comment contest. I, 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 all of our good commenters are producer club members, right? They are all the time, no matter what our comment contest is. We need to uh, rethink the comment contest. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Send us suggestions. Adam at the Freedom Line Gym. Take us home with the producer notes. What's going on? Hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. T.me forward slash Adamverse Man is where you can find all the links, including the good news link you'll probably see in a second. Patreon.com forward slash Adamverse Man is where you can support the show. Instagram at The Garden of Freedom is where you can see the pictures and videos from the Gardenia. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com. All of your donations there are theft deductible. The Crypto6.com. Mr. Nobody's waiting for you to write him a letter. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com will teach you how to set up your solar panels, micro wind panels. Hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Have a great weekend. Love y'all. All right. From goodnewsnetwork.org on this day in history. They got a lot of shit in here that's like, meh. 
Yeah, I mean, bad news. 56 years ago, President Johnson signed two national health programs into law so that family savings were no longer in jeopardy of being wiped out. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Oh, oh. now what's the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States? Medical bills. Uh-huh. Wah, wah, wah. Your savings are safe. But here's some good news. <laughs> because for all the things that he did, I don't think he was too much of a pusher of statism. He was a pusher of iron. Happy 74th birthday to Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, bodybuilder, former two-term governor of California, who is now fighting to bring redistricting reform to the American political system. Born in Austria, made in America. The governor became the youngest man ever to win the Mr. Universe contest at age 20. Truly an American icon from Austria. And with that, peace and love, y'all. Have a great weekend. Choose happiness. Be excellent to each other. (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry.